today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Yeah, so we so we just launched our on-demand delivery platform, uh, which is really neat. So so what on-demand delivery allows you to do? So today on Square Online Store, uh, or or before we launched, you would have been able to order for pickup, for curbside pickup, or for delivery, where where the seller themselves actually their their employees or their you know drivers or couriers are actually doing the delivery. Now with on-demand delivery, any seller can actually sign up to the platform and uh, offer delivery where that delivery is actually fulfilled by a third-party service like Postmates. Welcome to the Tear Sheet Podcast. I'm Shuman Bhattacharya. Today we have with us David Rusenko, who's the head of e-commerce at Square. David was the founder of website builder Weebly in 2006, which was acquired by Square for $365 million two years ago. The Square online store relaunched last year. With the growth of Shopify, Amazon, Walmart, and more recently Facebook in the e-commerce arena, it's becoming a competitive field. E-commerce platforms are getting into financial services, and the reverse is happening as well. Since Square acquired Weebly, it's expanded its e-commerce platform, and it's launched a number of new products to help sellers transition their businesses online. Based on Square's experiences onboarding sellers, Square has some insights from sellers on the front lines and some predictions about the role e-commerce will play in a post-COVID-19 reality. David, nice to have you on our podcast. Thanks for having me back. Great. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got connected with Weebly and Square, and how you got into e-commerce. Yeah, so I started Weebly, uh, wrote the first line of code in 2006. We really started full-time in 2007. Uh, you know, initially that was just making it easy for people to make a website. Then it was really making it easy for businesses to sell online and create an online store. As you mentioned, about two years ago, we joined forces with Square. Uh, Square acquired Weebly and uh, the team moved over. Now the e-commerce team at Square. And, you know, again, focused very much on a lot of the same mission. Uh, Weebly and Square were focused on very similar things, really empowering entrepreneurs uh, equipping them with the tools to be successful, started in different areas. You know, Weebly started more online, Square started in person, and and the combination really brings together a powerful platform that allows people to sell across channels and and expand their business online. So tell us how Square's e-commerce team functions in the context of the broader Square organization. Are its operations pretty tightly integrated post-Weebly acquisition? We are, actually. Um you know, it's one of those things that 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 with an acquisition, a lot of times you can you can go too far and overcorrect in either direction. I think sometimes people will just leave the company alone and not integrate them, and then you end off with a team on an you you end up with a team on an island, uh, or or you could sort of uh, uh, give them the hug of death and 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 bring them too close too soon. So I think you know it's actually worked really well. The uh, vast majority of the Weebly team. Uh, you know, is is still working as part of the e-commerce team, and obviously we have a whole bunch of new people that have joined the team, and so uh, so I think actually in that regard, it's been a huge success story. And you're all located, co-located in the same office. We are all in the same office, although these days that doesn't really mean much. Uh, but uh, we'll see how that continues to evolve. Right, great. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the Square Online Store. Uh, and then um, I understand it was relaunched last year, so you may want to also get into how you've built it out since then. Sure. So Square, Square Online Store is effectively using a lot of the Weebly technology and integrating it into Square's platform. Uh, it, it's a, um, a very robust platform with a huge uh, deep feature set that allows businesses to start selling online. I think 
there's a couple things that really make it unique. One of those is that, again, going back to it's it's probably the only robust uh, e-commerce platform that is available for free. So you can actually start using it for free without any monthly fees. The vast majority of the functionality is available in, in the free plan, um, and that's pretty unique. The, the other thing that makes it really unique is that it uh, caters to more than just one vertical. So a lot of e-commerce platforms will cater to just retail or just food and drink or just services. And Square Online Store actually does all of those things really well. Uh, it, it works across verticals. And, and these days increasingly, and we'll get into this later, but, but these days increasingly businesses aren't just doing one particular thing. They're, they're having to do it all. And so um, this is something that works really well across verticals. Uh, the last point is just that that it's integrated in the Square's ecosystem. So, you know, you think of Square, obviously, you think of the amazing, beautiful hardware. Uh, you think of the whole ecosystem, uh, you know, things like payroll, things like appointments, things like marketing, uh, really, really a whole suite of tools to run your business digitally. And so Square's online store actually fits really well in the Square's ecosystem. You can leverage all that functionality. So as we know, COVID-19 has changed the way that people shop for goods. And I imagine it's had effect on the ways um, sellers do their business. Uh, what are some insights from sellers that you've heard? Yeah, I mean, you know, COVID-19, I think it's just changed. It changed everything overnight in really crazy ways. In, in, in March, when it sort of became apparent that this thing was, was really picking up steam, uh, we completely reprioritized our roadmap to launch functionality immediately that sellers needed right now. And so uh, two days after San Francisco put in place its shelter in place order, we launched curbside pickup within a week, we had launched uh, delivery. And kind of one, one of the interesting things that happened through, uh, through, through the pandemic taking hold is that a lot of sellers, a lot of smaller businesses knew that they wanted to get online. They knew that they had to digitize their operations. Uh, but th but they were they were uh, you know going they're planning to do it over time, you know the pandemic effectively shortened a three year adoption cycle down to three weeks where all of a sudden moving online wasn't just optional or a nice to have or something you do to grow your business or gain efficiency it was something that you had to do to survive, um, you know we saw a lot of sellers uh, just you know really really inspired by you know how nimble and resourceful. And quick moving they were you you know we could talk about some examples you know just in the restaurant space or the food and beverage space we have some industries that hadn't seen major changes in the way they do business in decades that just reinvented themselves overnight uh you know you think about restaurants all of a sudden selling groceries or uh you know or retail merchandise or even um you know looking at services or or even nonprofit. and a lot of them allowed people to buy meals to be donated to first responders and so you know, I think we just took our cues from our sellers in terms of, you know, how quickly they were moving and, you know, how resourceful they were being and really wanted to adapt the platform to really meet their needs. So when you think about Square, you think about the, um, at least I think about the uh, point of sale um, technology and, um, you know, I, I would imagine one of the benefits of the Square online store is that it connects to that. Uh, I understand that you had a recent announcement regarding on-demand delivery, and perhaps that's an example of how you can demonstrate how Square Online Store connects to the broader ecosystem of Square's payment products. Yeah, so we so we just launched our on-demand delivery platform, uh, which is really neat. So so what on-demand delivery allows you to do? So today on Square Online Store, uh, or or before we launched, you would have been able to order for pickup for curbside pickup 
or for delivery where where the seller themselves actually their their employees or their you know drivers or couriers are actually doing the delivery now with on-demand delivery any seller can actually sign up to the platform and uh, offer delivery where that delivery is actually fulfilled by a third-party service like Postmates. And what this really allows sellers to do is that they can now offer really compelling competitive uh, delivery um, you know, options, and, and they can do it without having to pay the service fee that would typically be associated with, with ordering from apps. So I know, it's, you know there have there, there been a lot of articles written recently just about how difficult it is for restaurants, but you know, very similar thing on retailers. You know, retailers also need the ability to be able to offer ordering for delivery, and so the Square on-demand delivery service will uh, will will make that available to you know wh whether you're a restaurant or a retailer, it'll make it available to you so that you know effectively you can continue to do business as normal. Uh, to you, it sort of looks like a pickup order, but the actual delivery is being fulfilled by by a third-party service. Square recently reported about how sellers are increasingly using e-commerce to weather the economic storm brought about by COVID and shelter in place. Uh, what do you think are going to be the longer implications of COVID-19 on the evolution of your online store platform? And maybe more generally, uh, you know, in the context of the shift towards e-commerce. Great. Yeah, I, I think there are a couple implications here. The first one is I think we're gonna we're gonna see you know for for a while and 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 probably for a long while we're we're just gonna see varied consumer preference around exactly how they would like to um, you know fulfill or pick up their order and so you know a, as as things open up or shut back down you're gonna see some uh, consumers that uh, that are happy to come and purchase in store you're gonna be some you're gonna see some consumers that'll prefer to do curbside pickup or some that prefer to do delivery and so I think um, you know that. Sellers expanding into being able to sell across these channels, across different fulfillment methods. Uh, longer term, you're going to see consumers' expectations shift, and I think that's going to be a durable change. Um, another one is just around sellers moving online. So, you know, a lot of sellers that that again maybe had planned to move online, uh, you know, in a year or or in a couple years, all of a sudden did so, um, you know, over a very quick time frame. And when you think about the actual implications of that. Uh, selling online, you, you might just think about how, you know, how, how do I take that order online? Taking the order is actually the easiest part. The part that's really tricky and really complicated is that in order to take that order, you actually have to digitize the operations of your entire business. And so, you know, for a restaurant, for example, that might mean, you know, having a centralized place where you can see all of your orders coming in from different channels or from different sources. That might mean being able to have some type of order throttling so that you don't overwhelm the kitchen. Uh, at 7 p.m., but then uh, no orders are coming in at at 8 p.m. And um, you know, and and it might mean when an order comes in uh, for pickup in two hours, and the prep time is 20 minutes, that 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 order needs a print in the kitchen uh, or display on the kitchen KDS exactly 20 minutes before that's meant to be picked up. And you know, for for retail as one example, uh, you you would have to make sure that you're digitizing your inventory and syncing your inventory so that you're not overselling. If you have you, you know, as an example, if you have one, only one dress remaining um, and uh, someone comes and buys it in store and then simultaneously someone else is trying to buy it online, that obviously doesn't work. And so um, so so I think that the actual effort to digitize your your business's operations is significant. It's not easy, but there's payoff at the end of the tunnel because when when um, you know when businesses come out of this, all of a sudden they've gone through that effort, they digitize their operations. And what they see is that, not only do they gain efficiencies, 
but now they can all they can sell across more than one channel. They can sell across Instagram. They can sell, you know, wherever their customers are, they're able to take orders and run a lot more efficiently. What we see is that a lot of businesses will 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 come out of it once once you know once in person and online kind of rebounds. A lot of businesses will actually come out of it stronger. For for a lot of businesses we talk to, you know, once in person started to rebound, you know, they actually said we're actually you know our sales are actually up compared to where they were before the pandemic because. You know, we're, we're now able to care to customers across multiple channels. So I think, you know, it is obviously a very difficult time. If there is a silver lining here, it's that uh, the this sort of rapid transformation that a lot of businesses are going through should, in the long run, make them more efficient and stronger and, and, and more competitive with a lot of larger businesses that, that have already have all these systems in place. So it's really the, the digitization of the front and back end to allow for what analysts have called in the past that sort of omni-channel reality where people can start a purchase in one channel and finish it in another. That, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, the key piece here is that, you know, it's not just taking an order, it's, it's, it's running your entire business. So you do want to get set up on a platform that has more than just this one piece. If you get set up on a half dozen different platforms and they all have to integrate, you know, it becomes a total mess. But if you choose one platform that, that allows you to really run your business on top of it, then, uh, then, then it just runs completely seamlessly. Your recent report also had some interesting insights geographically too. I believe Albuquerque was high on the lists of uh, uh, of merchants who had uh, gone online. Yeah, that was interesting. So, so we released a uh, e-commerce report that showed a lot of the cities that um, that were moving online the fastest and and adopting Square Online Store the fastest. And what was interesting is it was not necessarily the names that you would expect to see at the top. Um, you know, Albuquerque was number one. You might have expected to see San Francisco. San Francisco was number seven. Uh, you know, above San Francisco, you had Philadelphia. Um, but a lot of smaller cities, a lot of smaller towns. And so, you know, I think the phenomenon here of moving online, it's sort of intuitive. But the phenomenon is it wasn't just a sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, techie type of city. It wasn't just a coastal phenomenon. It was really coast to coast and everywhere in between. We saw a lot of businesses just you know, moving online and adapting their operations very quickly. Looking at some of the uh, stats, um, you know the the Square Online store, the gross payment volume, according to your last earnings, grew up uh, five times since mid March, which is the strongest adoption by sellers in two of the hardest hit verticals: food, drink, and retail. So, a couple of things I gleaned from that. Um, are you mainly now focusing on new client acquisition as opposed to moving online those square merchants who were primarily brick and mortar? And are there any changes in behavior when it comes to payments from consumer and merchant perspectives? Yeah, so so one thing that we announced at the last earnings as well is that the, the, the daily new signups for Square Online Store were actually outpacing what we would traditionally see for, the, for, for our point of sale. And you know, I think it's a really um, uh, a powerful example of, the, of of just how the platform you know has really started to to come into its own. And you know, it's not just existing Square sellers that are adopting it, and, and plenty have, but people are recognizing that this is actually a really great solution for for those who may not already be on the Square ecosystem, are actually coming to Square and adopting uh, the platform and products to be able to sell online. Um, you know, to, to your to your second point. You know, obviously, the big trend that we're seeing as far as payments behavior is just is just a trend towards contactless. And so, you know, I know personally, I've uh, went went to a CVS and um, and and was asked, "Hey, is it okay if I sign for you?" 
And, you know, obviously that's okay because I'd rather not touch, uh, you know, touch a shared surface. And, you know, we're seeing the same thing just, just with all payments is people are, are generally just doesn't feel right to, to be touching that shared service. Doesn't feel right to, um, you know, it feels a lot safer to be able to use some form of contactless. So whether that's Apple pay or uh, whether that's using a QR code, um, we're starting to see a lot of that behavior emerge. So you agree that COVID-19 will just accelerate that trend towards cashless, contactless payments? You know, I, you know, it's tough to say exactly where it settles in the long term. I do think there's a place for cash. Um, but, you know, for the time being, I think people are fairly reticent to, um, you know, to, to be sharing surfaces, um, you know, especially with the, with the COVID-19 uh, sort of where it is. So, you know, I think for the time being, that's definitely one trend that we've seen is that is that people prefer to be able to use payment methods where uh, they don't have to contact the same surface. Now, since you launched the Squirrel Online store, the space has gotten pretty competitive, as I mentioned earlier. You know, you have Facebook move into e-commerce. You have the integration of Walmart with Shopify. What keeps you up night as the space gets increasingly competitive? Well, the competition doesn't keep me up at night, and, and I'll sort of answer these in two parts. So I think as far as competition goes, I, I would really make a distinction between between channels and marketplaces and, 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 and where buyers are and platforms that enable sellers to run their business. And so when I think of a platform like Facebook, you know, I'm, I'm not privy to their long-term plans, obviously, but, you know, they're, you know Facebook or, or selling on Instagram, I think any channel where sellers can capture new buyers and get introduced to new buyers is a net good thing for sellers because uh, sellers just need all the visibility they can get and um, you know any any channel, it's it's just sort of adds. There, there's plenty of channels for discoverability, and I believe that there will be more that are introduced. Um, but again, taking that order is one thing, but then being able to power a seller's business is another. And so I think this is something that that Square was very forward-looking uh, in in talking about omni-channel, really really before it was popular and, and before it really became necessary. But um, but that is the version of the world that we're evolving into, or that we've evolved into is that an order is not coming in just via one channel, it's coming in across disparate channels. And so you do need a platform to bring all of those channels together to be able to uh, uh, put your products or your services out there, to be able to track your sales across all the channels, to be able to do things like track your inventory or, or do uh, order staggering for food. And then you're gonna need a platform to then go and run your business, whether it's reporting, whether it's uh, paying your employees through payroll, uh, whether it's going out and marketing to your customers. Um, you know, I don't think that that platform to run a small business is something that a company like Facebook is looking to build in the long run. And so, you know, I, I actually welcome, uh, you, you know, Facebook getting more into it because I think it's going to be great for small businesses who are, who are going to be able to just get in front of more, more consumers. Uh, you know, in terms of the second half of your question, in terms of what keeps me up at night, you know, it's just, it's just not moving fast enough. You know, I, I, I always want us to move faster. There's, there's uh, you know, a, a laundry list of things that, that we need to build. Um, and, you know, the entire team is very acutely aware um, of, uh, of all the things that we could be launching and, and um, just, you know, how badly sellers need the help right now in terms of their platform improving to meet their needs. You know, when, when the world seems to be reinventing itself, you know, every month or two, uh, you know, we, we need to do the same and we need to be there for our sellers when they need us the most. And so that's, that's really what keeps me up at night is making sure that we're able to build and ship the things you know, and, and uh, you know, ha ha have the quality and the feature set that our sellers need to, to be able to cope with this. 
So thinking about all those things you just mentioned, um, how you think about uh, how you're going to be able to meet sellers' needs, uh, what does the next phase of growth look like for you? Will it be building out the product set? Will it be building out a robust set of data that uh, sellers will be able to look into to understand the market? Um, what does the next phase of growth look like for you? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, without going into any kind of you know specifics, we we prefer to under promise and over deliver on that front. Um, we you know we're we're obviously going to be continuing to adapt the platform. So you know you see things like when the pandemic um, first hit, you know we launched curbside delivery. You know now we're launching um, you know on demand delivery. We're we're going to continue the drumbeat. We we have a lot lined up, a lot that we're working on right now to continue the drumbeat of being able to provide that functionality um, to meet those needs. So that you know, as the world continues to evolve, and you think of you know uh, reopening for for in store, you think of you know potentially. Uh, I'm not sure any of us know exactly where it's going, but but you think of potentially shutting down again. You know, there's lots of needs that are constantly evolving, and so we'll be constantly evolving and and um, you know building the functionality that sellers need. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me.